Hi there friends, we just had the virtual desktop team, previously known as the VDI guys on our show, who created the amazing Windows Virtual Desktop Optimization Tool to increase performance of your desktops in the cloud. Hello. Hello. And they just shared with us all the details of the WVD optimization and how it will improve Windows Virtual Desktop for you. Join us because we're starting right now. Hi there friends and welcome to Desktops in the Cloud, your new technical driven video podcast with guest speakers from Microsoft Engineering and as well the worldwide virtual desktop communities. And thanks to everyone who's been supporting us here at Desktops in the Cloud, which you can do by clicking that subscribe button and sharing our videos with others. If you want to appear in one of our episodes, ping us on social media or our website desktopsinthecloud.com. So this episode is all around Windows Virtual Desktop performance improvements with guest speakers Robert Smith and Tim Music from the Virtual Desktop team, also known as the VDI guys. So hi Robert and Tim, how are you guys doing? Great, thanks for having us. Great, happy to be here. So the VDI guys have been around for a while. I use your tooling, your, your scripts uh, for a very long time, but you recently changed your name from VDI guys to the Virtual Desktop team. Can you tell us more about the story behind that uh, and what's your role within Microsoft that sort of, yeah, creates that script as part of your, your daily job. Yes, glad to. The VDI optimization code originally came about as a white paper or a series of white papers published on docs.microsoft.com. And the consumers of that information gave the feedback that this is great, but could you help us, you know, implement that? It's, it's 70 pages, you know, a lot to go through. So originally it was targeted for on-premises VDI, you know, traditional, you know, Citrix or Microsoft combination RDS. But in, within the last year, I moved to a role in Azure Global supporting Windows Virtual Desktop. That's what I do day to day. And so we decided to not only update the code, but we ported it to a new repository. We, we Tim actually did some major updates to the code, added some great functionality and to include Windows Virtual Desktop we just simply created a new repository changed the name and that's the story behind that yeah so thanks for those insights um, so as part of your role within Microsoft uh, can you share a little bit more about that what you do and how that tool helps you to you know, sort of empower you in your work uh, as part of your yeah, implementing Windows Virtual Desktop with customers yes the uh, the reason I got behind you know, optimizing VDI and Windows Virtual Desktop started many years ago. I used to be in Premier Services in Microsoft, and a lot of the work that I did was around performance, and especially on-premises VDI. And that's where these optimizations came around. You know, you can find you know, things easily in the beginning, things like antivirus exclusions and things like that, but eventually it gets to you know, a bunch of little settings, and that's where I dug into Windows. And came up with the uh, all the settings recommendations my day-to-day -day job now is supporting windows virtual desktop in all not just optimization but all kinds of aspects helping people get going onboarding um, and i do other kinds of azure uh, onboarding activities for customers so 
let's level set our viewers a little bit and can you share them a little bit more about what the optimization tool does and how it is different for uh, for like different operating system versions and as well Windows 10 single and multi-session yes the uh, the optimizations started with Windows 7 and it used to be more around things like group policy settings background tasks and services that and things like that that may not need to be running in a VDI environment. Then came Windows 10. You have a little bit more to choose from as far as settings go. You have new policies, you have new apps, you have new everything's new. And so with uh, single session windows and multi-session, there's there's really no di we don't really treat them differently. We just simply record the performance improvements on multi-session because you're, it's amplified. The more users on a single machine, single session host, the more the more savings that you'll get. You can see it in Task Manager. You can see it any way that you want to monitor the performance. But the, the the main thing with Windows 10 is that we want to turn off a lot of consumer experiences, background tasks, things that may not need to be running in a enterprise or a a multi-user environment. Yeah, that definitely uh, yeah makes total sense, and we do that as well as part of our job. Uh, so, uh, can you share some examples with the viewers? Have, do you have some demos prepared and, and give us some insights behind the tool? I'm going to go ahead and start the script. The way that you run the script is you start the PowerShell, and there's only two parameters. There's a Windows version. first thing that we'll do is set the execution policy so that we can run the scripts. Then we will call the PowerShell script. And we will feed it the parameter. In this case, I'm testing on a virtual machine that's version 1909. So we'll use the 1909 parameter. And we'll also use a switch that Tim put in called verbose so that you can see, you can have feedback as to what's happening along the way. So I just started the script and you can see right away there's some feedback as to what's happening. While that's running, let's take a look at the actual PowerShell and the, the structure of the scripts themselves. What I have in here is I have Visual Studio Code and I have the repository open. This is the same, this is the code that you would download from GitHub. You have a PowerShell, the main PowerShell script calls the input text file, the JSON files. You can see here the parameters right now, we only have 1909 and 2004. We'll be adding 20H2 and beyond soon. And a little, there's a little bit of background information in the file itself, some references. But the, the main thing is the scripts call input files these are JSON files, and I'll let Tim actually develop all that, and I'll let Tim talk more about that. 
Thanks, Robert. So as you're going through this and you want to, say, uh, change the way an AppX package is configured on your system or not, what we've done is we've made this uh, real easy to edit. So say, for instance, if you wanted to keep solitaire, like Robert has highlighted right there, you would just change the VDI state from disabled. So our script specifically looks for anything that's disabled and we take action on it. So say you wanted to keep solitaire for your images, you would just change this to unchanged or enabled and then save that JSON file. And then now when our script comes along and it picks it up, it won't touch solitaire. It'll leave it as it was uh, originally in the, the image itself. Uh, it's the same when we go, th go through and we look at the auto loggers as well. Uh, you can change those as well. So if you want to keep them, so we have the disabled in here, which is true. So if you wanted to keep one of these in there, you would just change that status to false. Um, and then that way it would keep it in there for you as well. And it's the same as we go through with scheduled tasks and services. So if you want to change these, you just change the VDI state to anything other than disabled. And also the nice thing about this is if you wanted to add your own in here, you can just copy one of these blocks of code, add in your own uh, settings in there, and the script will automatically pick that up. So you can customize this uh, that really suits your needs as you need to. The, the one text file that we have that's not JSON this is actually registry settings that we write to the default user profile. And that's the template for the profile that's built for any user that logs on to a given Windows computer. And what we're doing with this is that we have a lot of background settings. For example, a lot of shell settings in here. We have this, you know, a lot of settings for things called content delivery manager. You'll see that if you go into settings and then privacy. There's a lot of things that happen in the background per user. And so you can imagine if, you know, 10 users and you can turn off a lot of, you know, don't show me consumer experiences, things like that. There's also a couple of apps that could run in the background. For example, Edge, Photos, even Skype used to do this. It doesn't, I think it was uh, changed in, in 2004 to where these apps don't automatically start on their own. And you can go into settings and then you look for background settings for apps and you can turn these off, but there's no interface to do, or there's no, uh, I'm sorry, there's no policy setting or any other way to do that through scripting or through policy. So that's why we turn these off for you, for users. And by the way, this is something you could implement after the fact. So let's say you have a user that already had a profile created. Maybe you're using FS logics to store their, their profile and it already has you know the settings from an unoptimized session host or Windows 10 or Windows you could apply these through group policy or your other any any management mechanism these are just registry settings and these all actually go to HKEY current user so these are user settings these are not local machine the only reason you see right here add HKLM is because during while the scripts are running we actually load that registry hive as temp then we write to it and then unload it at the end. You'll see down here. So that looks amazing. Um, while that script is running on the back, can you show the audience some examples of uh, yeah, the outcome, the result of yeah, running this optimization tool? Yes. I'll, I'm going to switch back to the virtual machine demo that I have here. And while we were looking at the code, the script was able to complete. Uh, we have Tim put in here a message that tells you how long the script took to run overall. Usually it takes about three to four minutes. And there is a message at the end that a reboot is required 
for changes to take effect. We used to put a pop-up in there, but we don't do that anymore. The reason that you have to reboot is because there's there's things that are disabled, but they don't actually get turned off until reboot. We'll go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm not going to reboot. I'm going to sign out. And this is one way you'll quickly see an example of the settings. This is one right here, the blur. It turns out that this blur setting is it's real. It looks great, but it may not be the best for performance in a you know multi-user environment. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and restart. I hope this doesn't take too long. It shouldn't. It's a virtual machine. But anyway, we turn off things like blur. We turn off uh, background bitmaps. I, I, I used to set that to a solid color, and but now I don't change that. I, I think that's better left to each individual organization or user how they want to do that. But the, the point being that in a BDI or a Windows Virtual Desktop environment, sending bitmaps over the network can be a little bit it's not so much these days with faster networks and all that, but it used to be a little hard to uh, transmit, you know, complex graphics over the network. So in the meantime, can you open up that document that you have with those results? And go over that? Yes. I have, previously, I was asked, you know, okay, these optimizations sound good, but can you, can you show a little bit of actual data? We need to know numbers. And so I set about gathering traces and running tests and so on. The first series of tests that I ran, I decided to do four simulated users and one management session for a total of five sessions. What I have here, I had a D4 V3 Azure VM Windows 10 Enterprise Multi-Session 1909. And I had simulated the users logging on simultaneously and opening after they log in a bunch of apps, Adobe, File Explorer, even Edge. The thing that the, the key thing with Edge and some of these other apps is that Edge, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they like to have rich content, sometimes videos or, or moving graphics, things like that. So it's, it's, it's a good, it's a fair test to open a web page. For example, MSN is just a, a, you know, a common web page that you could open that has rich content, but it also simulates a little bit of load so that if you have five, 10 users. So anyway, the, the results of the testing in the first round was 873 fewer threads 25, almost 26,000 fewer handles on the session host and 0.1 gigabyte less memory usage. And I have some screenshots here of Task Manager and you can see a little bit more detail. Here's thread count, handle count, process count. Notice we have about, about 70 less processes. That's just four users. Then round two, I came along and said, so what if we have more users? What if we have eight on one session host? So that was round two. Eight simulated users, again, same suite of apps, automatically opening. What, what I found was consistent. As more users 
log on to a session host, the, the load goes up, the results are consistent. Fewer threads, in this case 2,000 fewer threads, 50,000 fewer open handles, <clears throat> 1.2 gigabyte less memory usage. So you can see, you, you know, you'd see things like memory usage per user, 1.1 gig versus, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred megabytes. So you could see less memory usage, less threads, processes. You have a smoother user experience. You have quicker logon times. And here's some more data to go with that. You have thread count, 2,000 less threads. Handle count, 50,000 fewer handles. And then, of course, process count is about 100 less processes. And this is eight user, same VM, everything else the same. And while, while we talk about that, I'm gonna switch back here. I'm gonna go back to the virtual machine. And this is one thing you see right off the bat. We turn off the blur effect. But otherwise, we don't degrade the user experience. We, we wanna make sure that the user experience is not, um, that, that fonts don't look bad and that things don't look blocky or antiquated so that's the whole driving theme behind the optimizations is to make it as smooth as possible and maintain the rich experience at windows 10. so out of all of those settings and things that these scripts do robert what would you say would be like one of the the most impactful if, if you're gonna do something definitely do this right off the bat i would say that taking out apex packages that you don't need is is number one and the reason is and it's, it's a little bit different in 2004 i think the uh, app registration process was optimized you know given that windows virtual desktop is is now mainstream but having fewer apps provisioned to a session host in other words take not just remove the app for the user but actually take it out of the session host altogether deprovision it from the system and the reason is because now when a user logs in, there are less of the apps that have to be registered to that user. There's less data that has to be written to their user profile and therefore less log on time. That's that's one thing right there. That, that was a pretty big thing. There's some other settings that are pretty big as well. For example, the browser preloading, we turn that off and we, we turn off don't run in the background until, so that way you don't have apps that just arbitrarily start in the background you you know if the user wants to start them they can that's fine but we don't automatically start photos for example so those things and then uh, turning off some of the, the 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 local policy settings that turn off things like consumer experiences so that not only do are the apps removed but Windows isn't busy trying to figure out going out to the store and figuring out what apps are new and trying to pull in apps that I didn't even ask for in the first place and just automatically install those. Gotcha, that makes that makes a lot of sense to, to lighten the load that way. Um, I, I've been getting some questions from folks over at the Azure Academy community when they run this script that they've noticed that Windows Update seems to get disabled as part of this process. Can you tell everyone what's going on there? Yes, the, the scripts originated in the days of on-premises VDI, and in those 
implementations of multi-user environments, the administrators control a Windows update. They turn it off. And the, the reason is because they control the patching. They control when it happens. There's certain maintenance windows because the VDI environment has to be up usually 24 by 7. So we can't have a session host or a bunch of virtual machines rebooting in the middle of the day or the night or any you know any time that we don't want them to. Right. So originally the scripts turned off Windows Update. Now we put we document it in the README on GitHub, the GitHub repository. There are two settings that you can easily set, and Windows Update will return to the inbox settings. Or you can modify the you know the scripts or the code, the settings yourself, and enable Windows Update with just two setting changes that are documented. Yeah. So thanks for sharing those insights. I hear that pretty you know, reoccurringly uh, from people that uh, sort of not read the readme. Uh, so yeah. one of the other uh, questions I sometimes uh, receive on social media is around, um, yeah, we run the tool, we already had existing profiles, and all of a sudden we have often like shortcuts in our profile, in our, our start menu. How can people solve that? Yes, I've seen that, and I worked on that for a long time because I was trying to help people figure that out. and. I, I think I came across a use case where that could happen. So you have a session, just like the one I, I have demoing on the screen, is 1909. Windows is Windows, and you can feature update to 2004 or 20H2. Now, let's say you have 1909 and you have optimized it in the past. So your users, uh, maybe they had a profile built, maybe they didn't, but let's say that they did and their start menu looks I'm gonna click the start menu you'll see there's not much there right now the the start menu is clean or cleaner usually you'll see your your apps that you want for your enterprise anyway so you go to do a feature update Windows 10 during the feature update could it, it probably does re-register some apps or attempt to so therefore you're gonna you may end up with icons that say something like ms.resource, you know, and, and they're basically broken links. You may see some down on the tree on the left. And there's, I, I documented everything in the readme. It's it's towards the, the bottom end of the readme on the GitHub repository. I have a, a couple lines of code that you could run as a batch file. A user could run them without having to elevate or anything to attempt to repair in case that you come across this issue. And um, the other way that you could possibly repair this is after, let's say you did do a feature update, you notice that everybody has the broken links. You could just simply rerun the optimization tool. There's no harm. Mm -hmm. All the settings are going to be, if they're, they're, most of them are going to be unchanged. It'll just re-go re through everything, and that should repair the start menu problem. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we can have people clean that up if, if they need to. Um, uh, one other thing that I, I get quite often with this is, you know, the optimizations are great and they can get to better density and, and by lightening the load of each user. What about putting the optimizations into the image? Should they be run uh, as part of the, the VM prep before they do the sysprep process? or should they be run like after the VM gets deployed? That's a great question, so I'll, I'll take that one. Um, 
So our recommendation, because there are a couple known issues when you run these optimizations uh, inside of your image and then sysprep it. So our recommendation is that you go ahead and you create your image, you add all of your apps that you want to, you patch it how you want to, you go ahead and sysprep it, and then once that image is created, then you go ahead and you run our optimizations over the top of it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I assume then that we have some things on, on the roadmap maybe to, to help implementing this at kind of a, a broader scale since WVD, you know, we get into some pretty large environments. Uh, absolutely. So we're looking into adding some custom script extensions to Azure. Uh, nice. The next piece that I'm working on as well is I'm trying to modularize this. So Robert brought up before, you know, one of our, our top hitters is to remove all the AppX packages. Well, right now you've got to run the entire script as it is. Um, so that includes everything that's in there. Uh, the next version that I'm working on is to modularize this. So if you just want to run the script for AppX packages, you just tell it to do the AppX packages and it's done. Um, on top of that, I'm uh, looking at moving this all, uh, keeping the source code on GitHub, but making it more exposable and easier for end users to download by moving it to the PowerShell gallery. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll that'll definitely make it easier to, to pick up from just about anywhere. Um, so thanks, Robert and Tim. It's been a, a pleasure to have you here. Where uh, can people go to download the optimization code again? GitHub. And I will bring up the links, github.com, the virtual desktop team. And, or you could go to Christian. Christian's got a great blog. He blogs on everything and some some of the best documentation I've seen on a Windows Virtual Desktop. But he's got a page right here. You can not only get to the repository, you can see more uh, information related to that topic. So that's the way you get to it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. And please be sure that you're subscribed to Desktops in the Cloud. Click the like button and the notification bell so you don't miss out on any of the latest stuff for WBD. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.